Pets need flea and tick protection. And with Tevra Pet, you have everything you need. With Tevra Pet, active spot two for cats. Online at tevrapet.com. Tevra Pet, where there's always free shipping on flea and tick protection. You've tuned in to the Community Cats Podcast. Ready? Let's go. Welcome to the Community Cats Podcast. I am your host, Stacey LeBaron. I've been involved helping homeless cats for over 20 years with the Merrimack River Feline Rescue Society. The goal of this podcast is to expose you to amazing people who are improving the lives of cats. I hope these interviews will help you learn how you can turn your passion for cats into action. And today we're speaking with Annie Montgomery. Annie has worked as a television sportscaster, newspaper and magazine writer, teacher, author, and amateur sports official. She worked for five TV stations at both the local and national levels, including a stint at ESPN, where she anchored SportsCenter. She's also the author of five published novels. Montgomery has lived in eight states, and all along the way, she's had cats. For the past 25 years, She's worked to take care of feral cats in her neighborhood under the Trap Neuter Release Initiative, TNR. And she currently has four cats, two who live indoors and two who live outdoors by their own choosing. And I just saw one walk across the screen there as I was reading the bio. That's Weston, and he's deaf, so he can't go outside. And he was uh, found in a hotel room with 29 other cats. Oh my! And, And they named them all after hotels. So he's Weston. The problem was he was bald when they found him. He has terrible allergies. And uh, they put him in the newspaper here. And, you know, when you see the picture of the newspaper, you know, they're one step from the needle. So my son and I saw his picture in the paper. Yeah. And we went down to uh, to the Humane Society saying we want to rescue Weston. They said they didn't tell the truth. He's sick. He's he's got hearing issues. He's deaf. You know, he has horrible allergies. And, and I've had a lot of cats and I understood what all that meant, especially financially. And I had a lot of cats at home. And, but my son is a foster son. And he said, mom, he's just like me. Nobody wanted me either. And so I have a cat that has cost me more than every pet I've ever had put together. Oh, it's lucky. He's so charming. He yes. is. He's very charming. So is Weston one of the reasons why you are passionate about cats? Well, I, I, I've had cats my whole life. I mean, I was five. My first pet was Pepper. He was a gray and white old Tom cat with one ear, you know, chewed off. And sadly, back then, no one ever considered that we should have neutered him. And so I'm kind of guilty that if I go back to New Jersey, there'll be hundreds of thousands of little descendants from my cat Pepper. But I fell in love with cats and I have dogs too. So I I, I don't pick sides. I really don't. <laughs> but I have lived because I was in television and I moved around quite a bit. I would find myself in places where cats showed up and, you know, somehow cats know how to find us. And um, suddenly there were 10 stray cats in East Phoenix where I live. And I was very fortunate. My neighbor across the street also started taking care of them. And um, I didn't learn about this, the trap, spay, neuter, release thing until he came over and said, oh, there's a little cat, a tiny little cat. She's had kittens in the backyard and we can't get her. And uh, we called a group that does what you do. And they came out and I was amazed. They had special trapping cages and things. And they took the mother cat away, got the kitten straightened out, got her, her spayed and then re-released her into our neighborhood. And I went, that's brilliant. 
because we know that if we keep a stable population of cats, you won't have more coming in. So uh, between my neighbor, Daryl and I, we, we took care of 10 cats that were outdoor cats. And uh, not that, again, not that they couldn't come in, they were welcome to, <laughs> but they normally didn't. And most of those cats, original cats lived to be 15, 16, the oldest was 19. And, um, you know, they were, some were very friendly and sweet and some were very standoffish, but we fed them and took care of them. And I'm down to two outdoors, as you said, and two indoors. But, you know, it made me understand that the spay and neuter thing is so massively important and not enough people are doing it, especially where I live in Phoenix. Nobody spays or neuters their pets. It's, it's frustrating. Yeah, I, I've always believed that it starts in the home uh, with cats that aren't getting spayed and neutered and therefore and then they get let out and they become part of the external community. And then there's the kittens that get involved in all that kind of, uh, you know, process. You just sort of can take it from there to there to the next generation. And the spay neuter part of it is so critically important. And I'm really glad you brought that up because there have been challenges since covid with being able to access appointments in the veterinary community too. And there's obstacles. And of course, it's very expensive. There's a lot of financial challenges too. You just mentioned Weston being a very expensive cat. And how do you think people can afford to take care of their pets? Sadly, I think they don't consider those things ahead of time. I taught in a Title I school, an inner city school for 20 years. And and there were many of my pets came from the streets in downtown South Phoenix, where animals are not treated very well. And they don't seem to understand that if you get a pet, you are responsible for them forever. It's not, oh, that cute little kitten or that cute little puppy. And now we're tired of them because they're not cute anymore. Your job is to take care of their health and well-being and needs as long as they live. And I tried to point out cats can live 20 years. So you have to decide that you are going to make sure you put the money away. As I said, Weston has cost me a fortune. Um, he has to have shots every every uh, month. He, he, he had a ruptured eardrum two days after we got him, which was a horrible thing to see. But you make that decision when you bring them into your home. And, and so I did that. And I, you know, when I was a kid, we had a dog and a call. We had a collie dog and my cat Pepper. And my parents, we would sit. We sat down to dinner one night. And my dad, they both animals were, you know, lying on the floor by the table. And my father said, "Hey, who fed the animals?" And we all had forgotten. And my father, who's a gentle soul, got very angry. He said, "They count on you. They depend on you to care for their needs. We feed you. How they can't get up and feed themselves." And we were horrified, all of us. And and to this day, no one eats in my house until the animals are fed. No one. Now, I was raised like that, but many children aren't. And I had a, I talk about animal abuse in my in my classrooms. And uh, I had a little girl who raised her hand and said she didn't understand what animal abuse even meant. And I said, well, don't you, did you ever have a pet? And she said, yes, I went to a party and I had a, they gave me a little white puppy. I said, okay, so you understand you need to be kind to the puppy. And she said, no, while we're driving home, my father took it from my hand and put it in a McDonald's bag and dropped it on the highway. That's all she knew. Yep. So I basically in class was saying, <laughs> you know, I was raised to respect other creatures and to, to, to take care of them to the best of my ability. Well, this little girl, what did she know from being a pet owner? that dad threw the puppy on the highway. So 
I think you have to learn it. And it's easy to learn when you're growing up. But some people grow up with this idea that cats are horrible creatures. And, and it's very frustrating to try to get them to see they're not horrible. They're just different than dogs. We clearly know they're not the same kind of creatures. Or they feel that they are meant to fend for themselves. You know, cats can take care of themselves and, and that kind of thing. And, and I'd also say that there are definitely challenges in certain communities because there's no access to veterinary care in those communities. And it's expensive and locationally limited, too. It's limited by the, the location, the cost. You know, when we adopt out of shelters that can somewhat be located in more suburban areas, we're getting for $75, we're getting a, a cat or a kitten that's already spayed and neutered, that's had its first shots. But if you pick up a cat or a kitten on the a street in a community and you don't have access to a veterinarian, the veterinarian is in, a diff is in the suburbs and you're in an urban area, you don't have access to a car, it's going to be $300, but you're just trying to help this unspayed or neutered kitten on the street. You're looking at a bill three times the size of what the suburban person got at the shelter for $75, you know, in the whole package deal. Oh, I know. And I've, I've, I've paid out of pocket to take care of all these animals. And I can afford to do that. But a lot of people can't. The idea is, please don't get a pet if you can't afford to feed it and take care of its medical needs and treat it kindly. You know, I had students, of course, who would get a dog or a cat and, and lock them and the, leave them outside. I have one cat now, Morgan, who I found at school. And one of the little kids wanted little, my kids were high school kids, but they're little to me, that she said, oh, I really want the kitten. And can I take it home? I said, call your mother, see what she says. And they said, she, mother said, yes, you can bring the kitten home. So she did. We got her a box. She brought the little cat home. And the next day I called the family to see how the kitten was doing. And I got the father on the phone and the father said, I don't like cats. I don't want this cat in my home. And I'm putting it in a cage in the backyard. Now I live in Phoenix, Arizona. It was 110 degrees that day. And I said, what's your address? <laughs> and I went and got the cat because you can't do that. If, you, if you're not all in with it, then you shouldn't have a pet. It's that simple because it's a, it's a, it's a big responsibility. And for me, I'm 67. So now every time I think, do I want a cat or a dog? How old am I going to be in 20 years? Am I going to be capable of taking care of my pets? I, you know, for me, if I die, my kids will be fine. But I want, I need to make sure my pets are taken care of. So I can't have any more dogs. I said that my, my dog now is my last dog. I don't know, you know, the cat, I'm not going to collect more animals because I'm going to, I don't want to be 85 and go, oh, crap, what do I do with my pets? These are things we need to think about. It breaks my heart when I see in the paper, oh, somebody had to send their three cats to the to the Humane Society because they couldn't care for them anymore. Um, and people, and it's hard to rent. I've lived in a lot of places. It's hard traveling with pets. You have to make exceptions and find places where people will accept that. And it's not easy. So my attitude is don't have a pet until you can financially and emotionally care for it. And then the, the flip side to that also are the population pressures that our shelters feel, as well as our community feels, with regards to the fact that we do have, you know, a, a cat overpopulation situation. Many organizations are becoming what we call limited admission or managed intake so that they aren't having to euthanize cats due to space issues. So there is more 
trap neuter return. And there's also what's called return to field, which is basically if a healthy cat comes into a shelter, ideally they get spayed or neutered. And then that healthy cat is put back out in the community with the thought that there is somebody already caring for that cat out there because they don't want to have to euthanize the cat because of space constraints. It's a perfectly healthy cat. There must be somebody feeding that cat and caring for that cat in whatever way possible. Yes, it's probably, I think, kicking the can down the road because at some point in time, that cat's going to have rotten teeth, going to have you know an abscess in the ear or something like that. Um, but that's what our spay-neuter programs really do is preventing the birth of the unwanted kittens. But when there's adults out there in the community, I think those adult cats are treated in a different light, but yet they aren't having to be euthanized in the in a shelter. So there are so many different perspectives in this whole balancing act of what's a good number of cats and kittens to have in our community. How are they being provided? Area like Phoenix, you have a lot of kittens. Areas in New England bring kittens up from the South because they don't have as many kittens for adoption that are available. And there's just this whole balancing act that goes on around the country trying to ensure that, you know, any cat that's out there that does need help for whatever type of help it needs, that we have those resources available. And it's a fine balancing act that we have in every state with different challenges for sure. We know how hard it is to get donations for your rescue work. That's why the team at Dubert decided it was time to disrupt this process with their new e-commerce solutions. Now your donors can purchase food and supplies and have them shipped directly to your organization, making it easier on you and them. But wait, that's not even the best part. Every order with your organization designated as the beneficiary makes you money. Dubert will donate 5% of the order total to your organization. That's 100 times more than Amazon pays. So if your donor or volunteer spends $100, Dubert will donate $5 to your organization versus the five cents that Amazon would donate for the same purchase. Now your fosters, adopters, and donors can shop for their regular pet supplies on Dubert and enjoy the same free shipping offered by Chewy, but knowing they are delivering regular funding to you. Learn more at Dubert.com and get started today. When it comes to large cats, you need flea and tick protection you can trust. Cobra Pet has you covered with a special Active Spot 2 flea treatment for large cats online at TevraPet.com. Tevra Pet, where there's always free shipping on flea and tick protection. Ever wanted to quickly connect, collaborate, or problem solve with others in the animal welfare field who are, you know, real people? Look no further than Maddie's Pet Forum. Maddie's Pet Forum brings people of animal welfare together with the common goal to keep more people and pets together. We share ideas, expertise, offer each other support, resources, and more. Visit forum.maddiespetforum.org slash cats. Maddie's Pet Forum, come for an answer, stay for the community. Annie, you were uh, in TV and outreach and communications. You've, you've, played this very public role with your job. You want to share a little bit more details about what your life was as a television sportscaster and, <laughs> and teacher and, and everything else, because so much of what we do is communication. We're trying to communicate with our community. We're trying to communicate with our neighbors to convince them that trap new to return is the right thing to do. You know, what tips do you have for us who are out there in the community trying to really advocate for these cats? You know, do you have any advice for us? Part of the problem is education, which is always the case. Making people understand 
that there are options, making people understand that not to have a pet if you can't afford what comes with having a pet, which is very often medical bills. Um, I'm not exactly sure. I do like some of the, uh, we, we have some different kind of programs here. Uh, do you have the one where they, they rent, a, they, they, they uh, adopt working cats? Yep. Yeah. Where, where they have big warehouses that have rodent problems. Unless I hear two neutered Tomcats, you know, well, they're going to live in your warehouse and solve this problem for you. So we don't have to put poison on the ground. I love that kind of idea. That's great thinking. I wish I could tell you that I had some, you know, I taught communications for 20 years, communications and journalism. I should be able to, to talk to people, but they, they just kind of, you know, it's like the people I, I walk my dog every morning in the neighborhood and there are two houses with all these kittens every year. And they're very nice people. And then there's there's another two other houses where there's always bowls of food out. So I'm not the only one doing this in my neighborhood, but I don't know that everybody's spaying and neutering. And if we could come up with some way that that wouldn't cost people money, that would be great. But it does cost money. And I go to my vet's very nice, but it costs a lot of money to take an animal in spay, neuter. And it, it seems to me there should be some kind of extra funding when you say, look, this is a stray cat. I mean, I've spayed or neutered cats that never came back. That's okay. But it's, but, uh, you know, many people can't afford to do that kind of thing. So I think if we could take some, and I don't, I know there's not a lot of money. People will desperately need more space in the, in the shelters, but it's too bad. We don't have some kind of funding to offset the spay neuter process, because I think that would really help if you could convince people. I mean, I want to gather up all these kittens on the street. You know, they're like eight weeks old now. I want to just take them all in, and go fix them, drop them back off. But that won't happen. And now we're going to have a huge cat problem again. I now have a cat coming in that's not neutered, that's fighting with my two sweet cats on the porch. So it's a problem. And, you know, I love cats, but I don't like to hear them fighting at night because they're males that aren't neutered. You know, <laughs> I really don't. So I, I, I don't have the answers, maybe, except, you know, more people that care about cats do that. But I think we have too many people that don't like cats at all. And I think that's sad. That tells me they never had a relationship with a cat. They're magical creatures to me. They're all different. And uh, I think I think we need to teach young people more that animals need to be treated the same with the same respect you treat a person. And uh, they don't do that much. There is a, a statewide organization, Spay Arizona, and you might want to check them out for some funding opportunities. That may be, we, I can't remember the group that came the first time when we got got that mother kitten. But mother cat, by the way, she's here now. She lives with me now. The man across the street moved away. And so he said, can you take care of Sissy? I said, of course I can. So she's a tiny little thing. And she was the original one. She She looks like a kitten still, but she's probably at least 15 maybe. And uh, I, I think they might have neutered her, spayed her for free. I might have made a donation, but I feel guilty asking for someone else to pay for it. So I figure I don't want I don't want to be the one that says, oh, please, can you help me spay these neuter these cats? I, it's not taking food out of my mouth. So as long as I can do that, I will. Oh, well, and that that's wonderful. I think that it takes a huge village, you know, to make it all work. Yes. Some of us will pay more and some of us will pay less, but it'll all work out, you know, at the end of the day. Um, and hopefully, you know, any cat that needs access to spay neuter would be able to, to get that opportunity. I also have one other thing, and, and I'm not going to make friends with this comment, probably. 
I don't believe cats should be bred. I don't think I, it makes me kind of crazy when I look in the newspaper and for a thousand dollars, you can get some, some little kitten that that's a special breed. We have so many animals and there's no need to make them one kind of breed. You know, I've had every kind of animal that looks every possible way. And, and so it frustrates me a little that we're still playing backyard breeders. Um, and, and then if they have one that's not quite right, it ends up in the street and it's, you know, inbred. And I've had some of those too that have a lot of medical issues. So I really wish that we would stop breeding these animals. Well, the science has gotten fascinating on the whole cat DNA or your, you can get your DNA traced on your dog and your cat. And I mean, my, my, I know my brother did it with one of his dogs and, you know, the dog was characterized by these certain breeds and it ended up being a whole range of other breeds yeah. on the DNA test. And, and it's like, well, you know, what you look like in the, in your face and what your DNA says you know, do we really care? At the end of the day, you're just like Weston, you're going to love them anyway. And one thing that makes me crazy is that people go in with an idea of what their cat needs to look like. It, it The sad thing, you know, I have at one time or another had at least three black cats at the same time. I have two now. And and nobody wants the black cats. Uh, it's ridiculous. They they keep saying, please come in and we'll, you know, we'll cut the fees on the black cats. Like they're lovely creatures. Who cares what their fur looks like? And so I get very frustrated with that because no one wants to adopt black cats. So I've had, I'm guessing if this were the 16th century, they'd burn me as a witch, probably. <laughs> they're my fa favorite too. And I mean, they've got to be the favorites of many because there is, you know, National Black Cat Day or what. Uh, but but they don't get homes. I mean, the numbers are so sad when you look nationally, how many black cats they just have to put down because for some reason people think they're evil. I don't know. But it shouldn't matter. what. I mean, I've had every kind of cat you could possibly have. Yeah. And um, they've all been lovely in their own way. So I, I, I'd like us to stop caring so much about what the cat looks like. For sure. Definitely. And you're an author, too. Do you want yes. to share a little bit about it seems like you are a busy person. That's all I can say. Well, I was when I was still working full time when I was a teacher. But um, I, I started right. Strangely, I'm dyslexic. And so I never knew I was dyslexic till I was in my 40s and became a reading specialist. I'm like, oh, my gosh, that's me. So most of my friends that I knew, knew me growing up are like, how the hell did you become an author? Really? But I wrote for television. I, I was a sportscaster originally. And so I, I had to write, you know, 20 stories every day. And and then I moved into print reporting where I wrote, wrote for magazines and newspapers. So my stories got a little longer. So spreading out into novels just was an extension of what I was already doing. The ironic thing is that most of my career involved was involved with sports. I was a sports reporter, which is, you know, I, I was a sports reporter in the 80s. Okay, there were like five of us in the country that were female. You know, it was just, I was a freak. But that was my world completely. And I, I also spent 40 years as an amateur sports official. So I officiated football, baseball, ice hockey, soccer, and basketball. And that was so I could learn how to be a reporter, a sports reporter, because I grew up before Title IX. So we didn't have a lot of opportunities. And um, <laughs> now I forgot the question. That's because I'm old. Well, we're talking about your your books and how you've become a, a novelist now. Oh, my books, right? Yeah. So, yeah, I started writing writing stories, and I'm a news junkie, as you can imagine. I spent 15 years in newsrooms, and um, 
I kept finding stories that are of interest to me, not just sports, by the way. I branched out and started writing stories about other things. And um, I would find ideas that that surprised me. Um, like I wrote a book called Wild Horses on the Salt. And it's about our wild horse population here. And we have way too many horses and way too many people building houses where the horses live. We have people shooting the horses. We have them getting on roads and people getting in car accidents. And it's a problem because it's also an ecological problem. Our rivers are being destroyed by the horses. And the Audubon Society is angry at the horses because the birds have no trees to build their nests in because the horses are eating. So I, I found that all fascinating. And so I wrote a story about the wild horses and the problem and then tied that in with uh, domestic violence. Um, I, I taught 20 years in an inner city school where I had a lot of students who struggled for families from drug abuse and alcohol abuse and neglect and lots of kids in foster care. I am a foster mom. I have four kids. And um, it's I, I, a lot of things that I never thought about before. I mean, I, I had students who were raped a lot and their families didn't care because they protected the boys. So I wrote a story about a serial rapist. I said, ironically, I don't write about sports anymore. Um, but I write about issues and then I take the issues or the events and I write fiction around them. So I've written about archaeological looting and post-traumatic stress disorder and child abuse and cult, religious cults and a serial rapist. And so I just write about things that interest me. Wow. So not you're not connected in sort of one train of thought. You're sort of studying different things. Yeah, I retired from officiating uh, in after the football season in 2019. And then the next year I retired from teaching. And then we have, of course, the pandemic. And yeah, my world kind of shrunk quite a bit. But um, no, I still write. And I've got two books that I'm trying to sell right now. So uh, I, I have historical fiction, but World War II historical fiction. And I just wrote for the first time ever. And I didn't even know I was doing it till it was over a romance I'm like, I don't even read those. But I went, oh, my God, I think I have just written a romance. So, yeah, I, I'm interested in lots of different things. I love the outdoors. Arizona is a magnificently beautiful state. Um, it's not all desert. We have mountains. We have streams. We have lakes. It's it's beautiful. And the Sonoran Desert is magnificent. So my, all my books, the location is also a character. So, yeah, no, I love to write. And I'm glad because, you know, now I can write every day. But before I only wrote books in the summertime when I was on school break. The uh, story with the horses is interesting because there are many challenges with regards to um, birds and cats, too. Uh, yes. And challenges with that also. I learned that I, I interviewed a gentleman who was the uh, past president of the Audubon Society here. They hate cats. I understand. I do understand but we can't just get rid of all the cats. I think when you neuter a cat, it tends to stay home and be lazy and not want to hunt birds too much. Not always. But uh, yeah, I ran into that about the cat problem along with the horse problem, along with the cattle and the streams. So a lot of uh, ecology problems. Uh, I don't know what we do with cats. Yes, they're an invasive species in the Americas. I understand that. But we're not going to get rid of them. You can't declare that they're rodents. I think they tried to do that once here. Um, and, and we do have laws here that says you cannot take a cat and move it from your neighborhood. You can't pick it up and drive it 10 miles from here and drop it off. It's illegal. My neighbor did that once before we started taking care of all the cats and it came back. And I finally told him, I said, law says you can't do that. You cannot harm them. You cannot move them. So let's live with them the best as we can. 
And trap new to return at the end of the day, as you know, you see the population reduce as long as everybody's staying on top of it, right? And making sure that everybody gets spayed or neutered and the newcomers get addressed and that kind of thing. But but now I don't know what to do because there's there are all the we were really good for about 10 years. We had very few straight strange cats coming through. Um, I'm willing to feed about just any cat that comes to the door until they get mean. And I have one that's getting mean now. So I wish I could catch him, but he belongs to somebody. He's got a collar. Mm. So I just think he's you know, looking for girls, maybe. <laughs> yeah. For girls. Well, and that person needs to know if there is a low cost, you know, spay neuter option. And we don't have that. We don't have, though maybe once a year you can go and they'll do it for free, but you stand in line for a very long period of time. Um, and many people, you know, we still have, especially men, not picking on men, love men, but they have this idea that it's a terrible thing to neuter an animal. I'm like, no, you're doing it a favor. You're making it a nicer pet. I'm not doing that. It's it's got nothing to do with you. It's got to do with the animal. And and to to spare a mother cat from having litters over and over again, it's a kindness. But they don't see it that way. They see it as something horrid. I don't know anybody that wants to have an unneutered male cat in their house. No. In their house. So if you want that cat in your house, it needs to be neutered. But even outdoors, because yeah, that's what, that's what people spray hate the outside have. of your house. It'll spray your bushes. Well, that and they scream. And and we recently had one doing that. And I, I keep thinking, oh, God, please don't think it's my cats because my cats are not doing that. But it's frustrating. I don't want to hear a cat screaming at three o'clock in the morning. I can see why people find them disturbing. Right. But if we would put a little more effort into it and I, I appreciate all the people feeding them. It did. That didn't used to happen in my neighborhood. I don't think we have any groups here that will help them do that. At least not enough. Mm. You know, I, I live in a working class neighborhood in the middle of Phoenix. So people here don't have the money to, they can, they can pay to, for the food, but they, they can't take 10 cats to the vet. Yeah. So I, that's the big problem. And they think it's cute to have babies too. Oh, aren't they cute? I say, yeah, they're going to be cats. Then what? Yeah, for sure. For sure. Hey, Annie, uh, if folks are interested in finding out more about your books and the writing that you do, or just to reach out to you, how would they do that? The easiest thing to do is just go to my website and it's annmontgomerywriter.com. And that's Anne with an E. So annmontgomerywriter.com. All my contact information is there, all my, my social media sites. I blog every week. And so, yeah, you can find anything about you. You, you care to know about me on my website. Great. We'll make sure that gets in the show notes. Is there anything else you'd like to share with our listeners today? No, I think I said the one thing I wanted to share was about the black cats. Give a black cat a chance. You know, don't just pass them over if you're at the Humane Society or the shelter. Give them a chance because way too many of them are being put down. Excellent. Annie, I want to thank you so much for joining me today and being a guest on the show. And I hope we'll have you on again in the future. Well, thank you. I enjoyed it. That's it for this week. Please head over to Apple Podcasts and leave a review. We love to hear what you think, and a five-star review really helps others find the show. You can also join the conversation with listeners, cat caretakers, and me on Facebook and Instagram. And don't forget to hit follow or subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, YouTube, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss a single show. Thanks for listening, and thank you for everything that you do to help create a safe and healthy world for cats. Your cat will love you when you choose high-quality Tevra brand products.
all that approved, including flea and tick protection from all the diseases that they carry. Online at TevraPets.com, where there's always free shipping on flea and tick protection. 